Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. I am just loving this love theme that's been going on for the month of February. So as this airs, we're going to be at the very end of February, but still in February. So it's still love month. I just can't get enough of it. Um, But today we're talking um, more in my area of expertise. So I had to combine the love topic as as it relates to money. So we're talking about showing your money some love today. So I think our money um, can definitely use a little bit of love. I'm sure we can all agree with that. So first off, before we get started on, you know, ways that we can show our money some love, I want to talk about what may come in the way of showing our money love. So what's maybe stopping us um, or what are the things that we're doing that is not the most loving behavior when it comes to our money. So one of the things um, that I notice and um, hear from people is um, kind of this head in the sand approach that they're taking with their money. So essentially, you know, ignoring our money, not paying attention to our money, not doing anything with our money. Um, so again, that's obviously, you know, that comes in the way of money love. It's not really how we can grow and build wealth. If we're just simply ignoring it, doing nothing, it's not going to help us. It's not going to take us in the direction of meeting our goals. Um, some other things that come in the way of showing our money, some love is, um, our spending habits. So impulse purchases, Um, buying things that aren't in alignment with our values. So maybe your value is um, adventure and, you know, in line with adventure is, is travel and um, having new experiences. But if you're spending impulse, you know, if you're engaging impulse purchases on things like um, buying a brand new purse or a new pair of shoes, you might not feel great about that purchase after the fact. And that might be based on the fact that it's not, aligning with those values of where you really, you know, are motivated and want to be directing your money. Um, Another thing that comes in the way of money love, of course, is debt. That's a big one. So uh, having debt um, and essentially that, you know, what we like to describe as that bad debt. So having credit card debt, um, it's very easy to spend money, um, especially with the use of credit, credit cards. Um, but what, what is happening when we're spending money with credit cards and, you know, it's very easy to utilize these forms of payment, but, you know, in that moment, we're oftentimes like disconnecting our future self from our current self. So 
it's very easy to just, you know, tap that card and say, well, I'll pay for it, you know, later, or, you know, when I get a bonus or something like this down the line, you know, then I'll be able to pay for it. But at the end of the day, you know, sometimes we think of that future self almost as a separate person. And we forget that, well, we're the ones that are going to be paying for it. Um, you know, it's not going to magically disappear. So although it's, it's easy, um, to spend money through using credit cards, um, we have to remember that there is still value to saving up for purchases. So remember the days, maybe when you were a child and, there might've been a big purchase you wanted to make, but of course um, I'm sure no bank would have given you a credit card at that age. Um, So you had to save up for it. You had to save that money and wait until you had enough and then make that purchase. Um, But of course, with the use of credit card and debt, we've kind of forgotten that and and how to do that. And again, spending has become very easy. So um, that's another way we might not be showing our money some love. And then finally, kind of this, that guilt, shame, blame, um, all those, those like emotional feelings and responses to, to money. And kind of what, what I think about when I say that is things like um, past money mistakes, Um, Or maybe you're not happy with where you are in your financial life. Um, But if you're getting really caught up in that guilt, shame, blame around money, um, it's not serving you. And it's not necessarily, you know, in your best interest or anyone's best interest that, you know, it's, we have to move ahead and you have to forgive yourself and do what it takes to kind of work past whatever those feelings are that you might have towards yourself, you know, with money thus far, if it was a mistake or something like that, we do have to take that time, give ourselves grace and, and forgive ourselves and move forward because we can't show our money love if we're stuck in that, those negative emotions around money. So those are some of the things that might be coming in the way of our money love, but you know, let's now focus, put the focus on then ways that we can show our money some love. Cause that's, that's the fun part, right? That's the positive part. Um, so first off, I want to remind us that we cannot forget about the possibilities when it comes to money. So money doesn't have to be seen as a limited resource or a source of stress in our lives. Um, and when we get caught up sometimes in the day to day, we lose sight of this when, you know, our focus is on, oh, you know, first of the month, that's when the bills come in. That's my mortgage payment and my insurance and, and whatnot. It can get, you know, it can get very overwhelming and it's not necessarily, you know, associated with a lot of positive feelings. So let's not forget about the possibilities when it comes to money. Um, it can be positive and there can be hope and, you know, this thought of what our money can bring us and the goals we can achieve with our money. So let's not forget about that. And, you know, sometimes if it helps, um, when I was thinking about this topic and well, you know, how can we remember the possibilities? Um, I think for me and for a lot of people, you know, if we go back way, way back to when we were kids and that's oftentimes those, those times where everything did seem very possible. And the same was true when it came to money. So as kids, I'm sure we, you know, didn't have a lot of money and, um, we weren't working or anything like that, but 
Um, try thinking back to some of your earliest victories as a child when it came to money. So any early money memories you have. And I know for me, my big one was um, when I saved up um, to get a Super Nintendo on my own. So I was raised by a single mom and it wasn't something that she could afford to buy me. And I wanted my own Super Nintendo so badly. Um, my best friend at the time had one and I loved going over to her house and being able to play it. But I wanted one of my own. I wanted to be able to play it at my own house because um, I didn't get to spend every day at her house. So I really wanted that Super Nintendo. And so I found ways to make money. I was quite young at the time. So there wasn't a lot of options on how I could make money, but I joined my sister on her babysitting gigs and she was very generous and let me come along and earn a like or a portion of the earnings she gave to me. Um, again, very generous because I, and I say that because oftentimes I would fall asleep before the parents even got home. So she probably felt like she was babysitting me too some of those times, but my sister, very kind of her. Again, she brought me along. She gave me a portion of the earnings and, um, I managed to save up enough money for my own Super Nintendo. And it's, you know, I still remember how good it felt to be able to buy that on my own. And, um, I mean, I remember walking into the store, paying for it with my own money, and I just felt on top of the world. Like I was, you know, I was rich and I was making this major purchase on my own. And, and so if we can take those same feelings and translate them to later on in life, like, although, you know, I wasn't buying a home at that moment, I was eight or nine years old. So, you know, it wasn't a massive purchase in the sense of like what happens in our adult years, but again, it's just those emotions and feelings and, you know, thinking anything is possible. I went from having, you know, basically $0 to this big goal at the time. Um, and I managed to save enough and do it on my own. And it felt so good. And it just felt like, you know, anything is possible. And I wasn't just, you know, a victim of my circumstances thinking, well, I'll never get something like that just because my mom can't buy it for me or something like that, that I was able to turn that around and say, you know, this is possible. So the reason I tell us to go back is sometimes, um, you know, we lose sight of that, that mindset of that possibilities. So even if it was not in today's, um, sort of monetary value, a huge amount, but still, if we can go back to those experiences and see the value that they teach us on, you know, what is possible and being open-minded and still having those early victories, um, because they do remind us on, on what we can do and what we can achieve. Um, so yes, don't forget about the possibilities with our money. So important. Um, another thing I want to point out or, or say on how we can love our money is the importance of women really stepping up and owning their role as earners and investors. Um, the finance industry has been male dominated for so long. And I mean, you know, technically it still is male dominated. There it male dominated. There isn't an equal representation in um, the different roles financial advisor, um, things like that. It's just, there's still not equal representation. It's still male dominated, not as much, not as bad as it has been in the past, you know, it's, it's getting a lot better, but it has been very, very male dominated. And as a result of that, you know, it does sometimes seem like 
they forgot about women. So if as a woman, you just feel like, you know, this isn't, this isn't comfortable. It doesn't feel like they're speaking in terms of my needs and wants and what I want to achieve. And I don't feel like I belong here in this space of, you know, money and investing in stock markets. You know, if you're feeling that way, it's completely normal because frankly, it hasn't been designed that way. Um, but as women, we have to embrace that you do also have a voice and you have to find those sources that speak to you. Like I said, it, you know, historically it was even more so male dominated, but we have a lot of these, you know, amazing women stepping up and in this space too. So finding those voices that do speak to you, that you feel like you can really relate to, um, that makes it interesting and fun and engaging because you deserve to really step into that role as a serious earner and a smart investor too. And that's so important because some of that, you know, that's going to be that confidence piece. And and that's so important for showing our money some love because we have to feel really confident and embrace that we are you know, allowed to be here, that we belong here too as women. So do what you can to find those sources that speak to you. It might take a little bit more digging, but definitely it's well worth it. So you do deserve to feel comfortable in your financial life because you belong here too. Um, how else can we show our money some love getting out of our own way? So sometimes we can be our own worst enemies in many respects and regards, um, in our lives. And that is especially true with money. I believe, um, there's a lot of limiting beliefs we have about money, especially as women. So as women, oftentimes I hear, um, you know, other women say, I'm not good with numbers. Money isn't my thing. I'm not good at math. I'm not good with investing or the finances. And, you know, saying those things, first off, I want to say that's completely fine. And, and frankly, it kind of makes sense because most of us have had zero formal education on money topics. So financial literacy is not at all taught enough in our schools. Um, it hasn't been in the past. It still isn't. So if you feel this way, like I'm not good with numbers or finances or investing, um, a, probably a very big piece of that is that you didn't learn it along the way. So not feeling like it's really your thing makes complete sense because it has not been, you know, part of the, the lessons and the concepts that you're building along, along the way. But saying these phrases aren't serving you. So saying them now and, you know, out loud or telling people money isn't my thing. I'm not good with numbers. It's not serving you. It's closing off the possibilities and it's not allowing you to be open to learning. Cause if you just decide to essentially write yourself off and say, no, I don't understand this stuff. I don't know it. Well then how can you ever know it or learn it? Right. And as with anything new that we have to learn for the first time, we have to give ourselves grace and be patient. And remember, it's a journey and it's going to take time. So, you know, you can always learn and you can always grow and it's going to take being exposed to these concepts over and over again. And it's going to take practice. Um, 
but don't close off the possibility with those limiting phrases. So if those are things you have thought in the past or have said, you know, I, I plead and beg of you, let's at least not let ourselves be saying those statements anymore. Let's throw those out because they're not serving us. And instead, let's be open to learning. Let's be open to learning it now. And it might feel like, you know, that's a lot to learn. Um, and it, and it is because there's, there's a lot of different topics and concepts, but, um, you know, again, just give, give yourself grace, be patient, say to yourself, you know, I'm going to commit to learning by reading one finance related article per week. So I think that's something that we can all do and make time for. That's about a five to 10 minute commitment per week. Um, and that's one step in the right direction of really, you know, embracing that, that knowledge piece and saying, okay, maybe I haven't learned a lot along the way or up until this point, but I'm committed to now being open to learning. Um, how else can we show our money some love? We have to advocate for our money. So uh, what I always say or like to say, and I've said it on this podcast before is it's your money and nobody will love it as much as you do. So let that sink in. So if no one's going to love it as much as you do, I mean, you have to be that, that caregiver and you have to be that person that's really defending it and stepping up for it because you're the primary source of, you know, love for it. So you have to represent that and you have to show up and be that. So one of the things you need to, you know, think about is that risk of giving up control fully. Again, something I see with women, um, you know, I feel like times are changing and this is maybe happening less now, but, you know, still what has happened in the past is sometimes women giving up control to their partners or spouses and saying, you know, you take care of the finances. I don't get this again, going back to the, what I was just talking about, you know, money isn't my thing. And then or investing isn't my thing, and then passing off control. Well, there's a lot of risks to doing that. And again, you know, I don't want to say we're setting ourselves up for failure and, and thinking that relationships are going to end, but we have to be open to saying something could happen. Um, I say the same thing with even people, you know, putting that all off to a financial professional that you need to still stay engaged because what if something happened to that financial professional you're working with? What if they decide to, you know, what if they retire? What if they change careers? And if you've fully relied on that person, again, whether it's a spouse, a partner, um, maybe a parent that is helping you along the way, if you rely on that person so much and then something were to happen, you're left completely, um, you know, now starting from scratch. Um, and that's a really scary place to be. So you want to stay engaged all along the way. Um, what else can we do when we're advocating for our money is standing up for what you want and what you need and voicing your expectations. You know you best, so you have to really speak up and, and say what that is you need. Um, if you're working with a financial professional or you're with a financial institution and you're just not really liking maybe a response they come back to you with or when you're going in to have a conversation about your investments or your mortgage or whatever that looks like, and it's just, you know, there's, there's something that's not sitting well with you, make sure that you're you speaking up, you're asking for things that you need. Um, 
you're yeah, asking lots of questions. If you don't get it, ask questions and keep asking until it does make sense, until you do feel comfortable with the, the information you're being given. Um, so, you know, it's your money. No one will love it as much as you do. So you really have to step up for it and protect it. Um, don't forget to talk about your money. So again, how we can show our money some love is talking about our love for our money. So I'm telling you to literally say your love for your money, saying, I love money. I love my money. Um, is this selfish or greedy or, you know, well, no, <laughs> it's not. And again, it's, it doesn't mean you, you love money in the sense of, you know, these, these paper bills or coins. It's, it's not that, but it's, it's saying like, we're showing love for maybe the freedoms that gives us the um, opportunities it allows in our lives, the ability to, you know, put our children through education, to put a roof over our heads. Like we, we love money for the things that affords us in life. There's nothing wrong with saying you love money. Um, and if you're not saying phrases like that about your money, then, you know, what message is that sending? Um, I, I, you know, I meet with and sit down with a lot of women to have conversations about their money. And I think of all the women I've ever sat down and met with, there's only been one who told me that she wanted to be a millionaire. Like she said it out loud. I want to be a millionaire by the time I am 40. And that is my goal. Um, and I loved it. And I, I love how, you know, certain she was of that and how unapologetic it was like, this is what I want. And she said it. Um, so why can't, you know, why can't we as women say that I want to be a millionaire? Um, we have to be, we have to be saying these things that we want. And again, there's nothing wrong with it. We can't decide to associate money with greed or selfishness and then not say these things because if, if we're taking that stance on it, how are we ever going to make money and, and have these goals met, or if you deep down inside want to be a millionaire, but you're not saying it, how are you going to achieve that goal? Um, we work really hard for what we earn. And so I think we deserve to talk about our love for our money too. Um, we need to be talking about our money goals. Okay. So, um, what are some, I have like some money affirmations. Um, this one's from Louise Hay. So it's, I release all resistance to money and I now allow it to flow joyously into my life. That's one you can say too. So if you don't want to say just outwardly, I love money, um, try that one from Louise Hay again. So I release all resistance to money and I now allow it to flow joyously into my life. That's good, right? We can't, that sounds good. That's positive. Let's all, let's all say that. Um, money awareness. So a big piece also to showing our money some love is having an awareness of our money. Um, again, not that avoidance, denial, head in the sand, do nothing approach. We can't hide from our finances. So let's just decide that now. Um, it's not something we can hide from or ignore. And we need to have an awareness about our money. We can't go on any journey without first knowing where we stand. So when it comes to our money, if you have goals, if you have 
ideas of, you know, this is when I want to achieve financial freedom, or this is when I want to retire, or this is when I want to buy my vacation property. Well, then we need to first know where you stand. You have to have an awareness because you can't get to those goals until you have really um, a deep understanding of where you stand now. And then that's how we can plan on how you're going to get there. Um, So answering, knowing the answers to questions such as how much money is coming in each month and then where is it going? Because I hear the phrase very often, and I'm sure you have as well, that I, when people say, I have no idea where all my money goes. Um, so again, that's not a good thing to be saying. Um, having no idea, well, that's not, not great. We do need to have an idea of where our money's going. We need to be really intentional about where it's going. Um, so a big piece of this money awareness is having some awareness tools in place. And those I've spoken about before on this podcast, but I would say the best tools for that money awareness are going to be your net worth statement and a budget. So a net worth statement is simply listing all your assets. So that's what you own versus all your liabilities. And that is what you owe. And then assets minus liabilities equal your net worth. And having this statement, um, checking in on it, I would say updating it at least on an annual basis will serve you well. And then a budget is going to also work with this money awareness as well. And a budget is more about the ongoing um, month to month income and expenses. So budget is answering the questions, how much money is coming in each month and how much money am I spending? It doesn't have to get overcomplicated. Um, I, I don't want this to be like a big homework, you know, dreaded assignment. A budget can just, again, simply be you taking some time to go through a past month, um, item by item, seeing what you're spending, and then using that information to decide if there's any changes that you want to make. Um, maybe if you notice that there's you're spending more than you would have thought or wanted to on a certain category, then you know very much you can create a goal to maybe lower that amount um, or reduce or eliminate or anything like that. But again, it's a very important awareness piece because if you don't know how much money you're spending, you don't know how much money can be saved. So it's, it's almost, it's an input to so many other important parts that it comes when it comes to your money. Um, So it is an important piece. And again, it doesn't have to be, you know, so complicated that it's this dreaded task that you just can't bring yourself to do. If you, you can just even commit to, I'm going to spend, you know, an hour going through my past month's expenses and that be the the budget assignment you give yourself for now, that is huge and it's going to make a big difference and it's not too, too much money, too, too much time to have to spare. Um, So another way we can show our money some love. There's a lot of ways I have here. So there better be a lot of love going on with your money after this podcast episode. Um, Embrace your money uniqueness. This is so, 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 so important. So each of us has very different goals when it comes to our money and no two people are identical. So I've sat down with so many people to talk about their money. And I can tell you that there's been no um, people that have come into, you know, that meeting that have had the exact same goals as someone else I've met with. So never, never have I come across two people that have 
identical goals and where they're at right now, where they want to get to. It's different for everyone. So let's really sit with that and embrace it. Comparisons don't work when it comes to our financial lives. So if we're embracing our uniqueness, it gives us time to focus on our own goals instead of looking outward and seeing what other people have, where they are in their lives. Um, you know, oh, I'm behind because my friend, you know, has this, this, and this, but I only am here. If we get so caught up in that, we're going to forget to focus on our own goals. And then, you know, nothing good can come of that. If we're, if we're living our lives um, for someone else's goals, if we're trying to, you know, that's our or sort of um, what we're using as our gauge of if we're financially successful or not, it's not going to work because it's not your goals. Um, You really have to sit with what are my goals and some questions that you can ask yourself for uncovering your money uniqueness. um, Here's a few that I have for you to consider. Is home ownership important to me? So ask yourself that. Um, A lot of people want to buy a home and that's a goal that they have in their lives. But I can tell you, there's also a lot of people that don't ever want to own a home that are far, you know, would prefer renting and they want to have that flexibility and that freedom. And there's nothing wrong with that. Those are two just different decisions. Those are different goals that people have. There's not a right or wrong answer. Um, do you enjoy to tra- do you enjoy travel and how many trips would you like to have per year? So that question, I'd say, you know, me personally, I like traveling um, and especially, you know, miss traveling right now. Um, so me as someone saying, I love traveling, I miss traveling. Well, how many trips per year? I don't know, probably a few would definitely satisfy that goal for me. Um, well, I've met with women that have a goal to travel once per month. So, I mean, I thought I enjoy traveling, but they enjoy it and they actually travel one time per month. And I'm like, wow, that you really enjoy traveling, but, but their idea of what that means and how many trips that means is different than mine. And that's okay. Again, it's our money uniqueness. We have different answers to Um, how many trips per year. And that's, again, that is fine. So this is uncovering the answers for you that are true to you. Um, Here's another one. Do you want to be a millionaire? Um, What age do you want to achieve financial independence? What does retirement look like for you? What is important about money to you? What legacy would you like to leave? So these are all questions that you can just sit down and write out your own answers for. And again, they're your answers. They're not going to be the same as someone else's. And that's the beauty in them. So loving our money, um, that takes us to dreaming big. I want to ask you all to dream big because money can be fun. Money can be exciting. And you know, you have to ask yourself, what is the financial vision that you have for yourself and get really specific on that vision and your goals. And, you know, knowing the destination of where you want to get to is going to really help with, um, you know, seeing, okay, this is where I'm at right now. And this is where I want to get to, but you have to know the destination, um, in order to take the proper action steps accordingly. 
So do have that dream big and know the destination, know what you want to achieve, where you want to get to, um, set the goals and then break them down into manageable steps because goals only work when we do break them down, when we get specific and when we make them manageable. If we just say, I want to retire at 55 and not have to work a day beyond that in my life. And maybe you're saying this and you're in your twenties. And so if you just look at that goal and you do the math on it and based on what you want to spend, it means you need to have a couple million dollars. Well, that can seem really overwhelming if you're just getting started and you're putting some money away and someone says to you, well, you need a few million dollars. Um, Again, if, if you just look at it that way, it's, it might be so overwhelming that you go, uh, <laughs> never mind, or you just don't do anything towards it. But if you break it down into manageable steps of saying, okay, how much am I going to have to put away a month? How much does that, you know, equate to in a year? And after five years, what will I have after 10 years? But, but break it down into those step by step you know, the steps that you're going to do right now that are manageable, that you can actually do to work towards those, um, rather than someone just saying, well, you better, you know, go out and win that lottery because you need, you're going to need a few million. Cause you know, that's not, that's not going to get us to our, our big goal. Um, we got to break it down into real steps that we can implement. Um, consider journaling or writing down your money goals too. I'm such a big fan of writing things down. Um, I find it so powerful. And again, it's, I don't know the, the science behind it, but from things I've heard and read is that it's, it's to do with how, what part of your brain is actually using. So there is proof that actually writing things down rather than just having it sort of a thought in your mind is actually a difference too. Um, invest in what you love. So I want to point out too, that, you know, we're showing our money love, but we can also, as part of that whole love theme, we can make sure that we're investing our dollars into what we love, um, getting behind our dollars. So having, you know, our money work towards our goals through investments, but maybe they're investments that align with your values. Um, maybe it's that you're looking for socially responsible type invested investments. Maybe you're looking to make a difference in your community with how you're investing. Uh, maybe it's companies you love. So maybe it's, um, when you buy your groceries, um, you go to the same grocery store always, and you love it. And you're always using that same store. Maybe it's then investing in stocks in that company, or maybe it's a technology that you use in your home. And it's, you know, the only technology you use and you spend money on it on a monthly basis, um, in this company. Again, maybe it's a good investment for you to invest in because you're already, spending money on it in your life. So maybe you can actually put your investing money behind that company too. Um, causes that are important to you. So if, if there's, you know, companies that are working towards those causes um, or something like that, um, a topic that's emerging now is, um, you know, investing in funds that are focused on women in leadership and women, um, you know, being equally represented represented on, on boards and in management roles. So these are all very possible, you know, scenarios and ideas that you can invest behind too. So, um, and you don't have to invest in sectors or companies that you are, that are engaged in, in business or doing things that you are opposed to. And, um, I think that's really 
become even easier now. Um, it's just, there's been, you know, more awareness now of what we are investing in. So I think more than ever, if there is this um, idea that you're opposed to certain investments, that is very possible to make sure that your money is being invested in accordingly. Um, and last but not least, when it comes to showing our money some love, please remember that you are never alone. Um, you know, we, we also oftentimes take it on all by ourselves when it comes to our money. And that can be really isolating and scary at times. And maybe it's just not as fun. Um, so enlist the support of people you love and the people in your life that will be, you know, willing to, you know, offer that support or guidance in your life, work with your partner or spouse. So if you're married or in a relationship, um, when it comes to money, remember your teammates and you might have different backgrounds and beliefs about money, but it's important to talk about that and learn the reasons behind some of that, the car, the money behaviors of your spouse or partner. So, you know, maybe you grew up as a super saver and maybe your spouse was more of a super spender and that's, you know, behavior they learned and you learned something very different. Talk about it and and explain, you know, what is behind that? Because we can really get down and um, understand where it's coming from, the behaviors and money beliefs that we hold, because they're oftentimes so influenced by our upbringing and what we were exposed to um, at a young age. So sometimes it's almost like the behaviors, again, they were just really learned from those around us. And they're, they're maybe not how we would choose to have our, our money beliefs and behaviors, but, um, it's, it's just what we, what we've always known or, or learned early on. So if we can get curious with each other, if it's a partner or spouse, and you can really talk about it, um, you can kind of really understand what's behind it. And then, um, when you have that deep level of understanding, you guys can kind of come up with a game plan of how you can play to each other's strengths and really, again, engage as teammates when it comes to your money. Um, communicate openly about money with a spouse and partner. It can be one of the biggest stressors in a relationship, money. So it needs to be a topic of conversation that you're open and willing to speak about. So whatever that takes, maybe it's setting a specific money date where you guys are going to sit down and talk, talk about a money topic um, and you just schedule that in. And that might take some of the um, uncomfortable feelings around the conversation if you just set it as a date and it almost feels like, okay, this is a scheduled meeting we're having to discuss this topic um, rather than, you know, it's just sitting with you and you're like, how do I bring this up? What should I say? Um, when's the best time? So trying to approach it in that way. Um, talking to just trusted sources um, or, you know, following trusted sources when it comes to our money. So you're never alone. And there's so many, you know, great material out there that's readily available on social media, um, experts that we can follow and they have blog material or podcasts, um, personal finance books, but, you know, again, finding that one that really speaks to you, um, because there's, you know, different opinions and people have different approaches than some of the experts out there, but find one that really appeals to you and have that be maybe, you know, a trusted source that you keep, um, uh, utilizing to help grow that financial literacy piece as well. 
um, having an accountability partner. So you aren't alone. And maybe, you know, if you do have a really big money goal, maybe it's, I'm going to be debt-free by the end of this year. And that's your big money goal. Well, get yourself an accountability partner. I'm sure there's a friend or someone in your life that would be happy to be that person by your side, rooting you all, uh, rooting you, uh, you know, on along the way, but also to hold you accountable. So if you are, you know, struggling or if you have a setback, that you can talk to them about that as well. But also, they're there to, you know, help you. Um, report back and, and share your progress. Um, cause that's, again, it makes it more fun. Um, and you know, the do it yourself versus financial professional approach. So if you know, either, or is an option for you, you can take a do it yourself approach when it comes to investing your money, or you can work with a financial professional. And again, it's a personal decision. One, you know, one decision is not right for everyone. And it's really embracing what feels right for you and what works with your life. If you're really interested, engaged, and you love it and you want to do it yourself, that's a great approach. But if you're saying my life is busy, I have no time and I have no desire to do this on my own. And I want someone to help and step in as a partner or a coach, um, and work with me, then maybe it is that you want to seek out a financial professional. So consider those options. And again, you are never alone. There's lots of people around you, um, willing to offer support. I'm sure of it. Just, we have to ask, right. That's sometimes the missing piece is we just don't ask. Um, so yes, that's, that is, that wraps it up. There's lots of ways, um, and things we need to be considering and doing to make sure we're showing our money some love, right? And so hopefully I covered them all. No, I'm sure there's, there's lots and lots of ways, but these were just what, you know, I thought were really important. And they came up for me as, you know, what I see a lot of. So I wanted to bring them up on this call. And um, so I hope now that we close out the month of February, you consider also showing your money some love Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I will catch you next time. All right. Bye. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.